Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of governance issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Our podcast is also aimed at promoting values that will help to build a society of people with integrity and provide solutions to service delivery challenges faced by everyday Nigerians. My name is Uluwa Fermi Adeola, and I'm the host of this podcast. On our podcast today, we'll be discussing what can Nigeria and other countries do to prevent corruption in the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines. We'll be taking lessons from the COVID-19 response so far. And to have this wonderful discussion with us this morning, I have two special guests with me. Um, one of them is my executive director that you all know well, Oyinye O. And uh, we have another very special guest that we're so excited to be discussing this topic with us. We'll kindly ask that she introduces herself. Hi, my name is Liz David Barrett. I'm a professor at the University of Sussex, and I'm also director of the Centre for the Study of Corruption, which we have at the University of Sussex. Um, my research is largely about corruption at the sort of business government interface and particularly on public procurement. Thank you very much, ma'am. We're so excited to have you. Um, so to begin the conversations, um, the COVID-19 vaccinations rolled out globally in the past week. And since then, tens of thousands of people um, in the UK have received um, the Pfizer vaccine. Um, and soon the vaccine will start being given to um, other people by their GPs and then extend to other parts of the world. Um, so today we'll be discussing what methods and things we can put in place to ensure that these distributions, you know, will be corruption free and that it reaches those who most need it. Um, so would like to ask you first, ma'am, um, what are some of the corruption risks that you think we should look out for as Nigeria and other countries as we plan to roll out these vaccines? Yeah, sure. So um, unfortunately, like many stages of the, the COVID crisis, um, what we're faced with now is needing to very urgently a lot of this was much more about personal protective equipment um, and now of course it's much more about um, getting the vaccine out to people but a lot of the problems are going to be the same kinds of things so you know particularly thinking about where the funding is coming from for the vaccines if it's coming from aid money is there going to be leakage in how that aid money is distributed uh, thinking about the procurement process um, we know that the procurement process is very vulnerable to um, to corruption, even in normal times. And when you've got an emergency situation, then it's much more vulnerable because there is a good reason ostensibly for dropping the usual procedures. You don't have time to go through necessarily all of the competitive procedures. And, and so we use these emergency procedures which speed up everything. The trouble is that the public procurement process has been designed to um, to not do everything in a hurry and particularly to make sure that there's time to plan ahead for it to be an open competition and that's the way that we normally decide which is the best company to provide this so there's a whole set of risks around um, procurement there are the the contracts for buying vaccines going to be given out um, to people who are not necessarily the best companies to provide the vaccines, but um, but distributors that are perhaps um, have connections to the government or even pay bribes to win those contracts. Um, and then, of course, that leads to all sort of 
um, a lot of corruption issues down the line. So are you then paying too much for those vaccines? Are you getting substandard or even fake vaccines entering the market? So lots of sort of risks associated with the procurement process. Then you get down to kind of the level of the clinic or the individual healthcare unit. And there you've got risks that supplies might be stolen so that they can be sold on the black market. Um, you might have um, particular mechanisms for distributing the vaccine so that people who are having the highest need get them first. But potentially they could be overlooked. And instead, what you find is that people who can pay the most get the vaccines. So there's a lot of potential, again, for even at that stage of distribution of the vaccine right at the end for corruption to intervene with the process. Thank you very much, Mark. Um, you can you also share your thoughts on what you think these corruption risks um, for Nigeria especially are at this time? Um, thank you, Liz, um, for that comprehensive um, um, feedback on what you thought with the risk. Um, and I think you've kind of covered most of them. Um, like I, I think in terms of looking at the risk, right, which is what Liz tried to do, you have to break them according to the different, the supply chain or the distribution chain for vaccines, which usually I would usually start from before you begin the distribution, the procurement, which um, Liz has talked about. And then we, so we see that there's high corruption risk there. And then the transportation as well, you know, how it gets to its various location, um, risk of diversion during that period to the private market. Um, and there's also the issue of storage as well and, you know, theft while, you know, um, while it's it's being stored. And then the, the, so, I mean, I think, like I said, Liz had mentioned most of them, but I think the point, another key point as well is also at the service delivery point, um, which is, you know, at the point of vaccination itself, possibly risk of, you know, demand for bribe payments to be able to assess um, the, the the vaccine or it being hijacked by rich politicians or elite. I can imagine lots of politicians in Nigeria, you know, who basically, you know, trying to scramble for for getting access to to this vaccine. So, so those are sort of, you know, in a nutshell, like some of the risks I think. Um, that we should watch out for when it comes to um, the supply chain, you know, the, the, the process for, for, for getting the vaccines to countries. Okay, thank you very much, Oye. Um Very salient and valid points raised as um, you said, experience has shown from other um, COVID-19 measures taken in the past that people, are, you know, they're prone to flout the law and find loopholes um, to make money even out of what is a crisis at this time. Um, so what anti-corruption measures should be considered by Nigeria to prevent corruption and the rollout of COVID-19 vaccines? And I think you can go first again. Thank you, Fermi. Um, I think, first of all, if I'm going to, on, on the part of procurement, one of the things I think that we need to start doing a bit differently and maybe focus more on is, is around beneficial ownership. I think it would be useful for to really get that implemented now that we have the Kama law passed. Um, and it would be very useful um, in the procurement process to actually know the real companies bidding for things um, and, and for that information to be out there so that civil society can challenge. You want to know if it's it's uh, so the you know the prime the president or the governor's wife that is actually um, bidding to supply vaccines when they may not even have any experience or you know in that area. So I think that would be very useful and not just having that but making that information accessible for those that would want 
to track um, the, 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 the vaccination and distribution. Um, and then, of course, the open contracting as well is one area. Um, I'm sure Liz will want to talk more extensively on that. Uh, she's a procurement expert, so I'll leave her to focus more on the procurement issue. But I would also think about, I think generally as well, I think there should be a distribution plan. So this is more like part of the um, organization, the process for organizing um, vaccine distribution. I think even one of the first things before we even think, you know, of the proof, there should be like some kind of plan. So what's the distribution plan? And that distribution plan should be made transparent, you know, um, so that we can monitor the process. So we see from what you know um, we're seeing in countries that have rolled out, or at least like the UK, for example, is at least we have a sense of, okay, we're going to start with the elderly or the vulnerable or blah, 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 you know, the, depending on, we're not going to start with health workers for now. Would, you know, there's, there's a staged plan. So we need to have that process as well. And um, if countries like Nigeria want to begin, and it needs to be clear to the public so that people know what to expect. It's like when you're providing a service, people want to know what the clear service standards are. And I think we need that here. Have a plan and have what the, you know, expectations um, clearly stated out for, um for 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 people so that we can track um yes and i think i'll stop here for now okay <clears throat> thank you very much Oni. um dr barrett please if you would go next um as to what anti-corruption measures you think should be put in place and can be considered by countries in the rollout of the covid19 vaccine yeah, sure. So a lot of countries are having a, a special committee um, that is in charge of the vaccine process. So I think a key thing there is to make sure that it is also looking at corruption risks um, and that it integrates that into all its planning and to its thinking. And ideally, you, you would have a, a head of that vaccine who is seen as a really high integrity um, person. So I think that's the absolute first thing. Um, and then you know, a lot of other things, um, Onyu's already covered a lot of the um, the key points, but what we find with procurement is a couple of things that are general principles that are key. Um, one is planning, actually. So planning is really the key to doing good procurement. Um, if you really plan ahead well, then you have a much better chance of being able to get good suppliers, but also cheap prices. Um, so planning, perhaps using framework contracts, if you've got framework contracts and established um, relationships with suppliers, and then you can use them. There's stability on either side. And so the, the supplier also knows that they're going to get a fair amount of um, business and, and that means they can start to reduce the prices. Um, so that's a key thing. Um, don't use emergency procedures unless you really have to. So I think there's quite a lot of people using them when they don't really need to. There are parts of this that could be planned. Um, even if you do use emergency pre procedures, make sure you do your due diligence on companies. And as Onyi said, a key thing is finding out who's the real owner of this company. Um, have they actually got a track record? Can they actually supply these vaccines? Have they got the relationships in place? Um, Secure storage and transportation systems are important. So perhaps investing in you know, facilities to ensure the oversight of those systems is good. Um, and absolutely, you know, transparency is really key here. So tell the population where the vaccines are going, who has a right to get them. And I think when people are empowered and they know, you know, am I entitled to get one or not, then they can use that to ask questions and, and ask back if they're not getting access to them. 
Um, and of course, this is not just individuals, but you know, setting up channels for civil society to be able to monitor that um, and and report to to Parliament. Um, so I think all of those things, but you know, planning transparency where possible um, and and empowering people to then check on the process and whether it's being delivered in the way that it's supposed to. Thank you, ma'am. Um, so just a follow up question. What role do you think businesses or the private sector can play in ensuring um, this compliance and then efficiency in the distribution of these vaccines? To me? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, it's a really good question. So this is, you know, procurement is always government and businesses. Yes. Yeah? So um, so we can, in, in fact, rely on businesses to do some of this. So, you know, who are the logistics companies that are involved in distribution? Um, who are the actual suppliers and manufacturers of the vaccines? And who are the, the point of delivery in the pharmacies? So thinking about who all of those players are and then making sure that they're as transparent as possible about you know what contracts they're receiving and about their own conflicts of interest so i think for anyone who's involved in um in delivering services that are financed with public money there is no excuse not to be completely transparent about the processes there and and how much money you're receiving and who's on the board and whether they have any connections to government Firms always push back saying, oh, there are commercial confidentiality you know, reasons that we can't publish all of this. It's usually only true to a tiny extent. And I, I basically think that if you're, you know, you're financed by public money, you're providing a public service, you should be accountable to the same standards as the government. Thank you very much. We completely agree. Um, so, Oi, what are some key lessons that um, you can bring out that we've learned so far from the current pandemic and that countries should take on board as they plan to roll out the vaccines? Lessons from the crisis and the management of that. What do you think countries should take from that going forward? Yeah, thank you, Farami. I think for me, the need to be more proactive than reactive um, by focusing on preventive measures um, is what's standing out for me. We all know corruption is not new. Um, um, and what's been what's happening now during the pandemic is just being um, reinforced, you know, and, and we're just feeling it acutely because of the situation we are. It's exposing the weaknesses in the systems, the the how you know the the weak health systems, you know the 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 weak yeah the weak health system that we have to be able to push in the effects um, from this pandemic. So I'll say like Transparency International estimates that. It has documented some corruption cases that has um, estimated about um, 1.1 billion dollars has been lost to corruption so far during the pandemic based on alleged cases. Um, you know, and if this is if these cases, you know, if they turn out to all be true, then it means that with that we could have been able to purchase 50,000 ventilators according to Transparency International. So we cannot continue waiting for corruption to, you know, to happen before we react. Um, so. I think I, I always tend to use this phrase. I think there's a, as part of the prevention measures. Um, I think Liz had mentioned some of them around, you know, proper planning, the procurement planning, and um, earlier on, and the need to just we don't really need to follow emergency procedures when we don't need to, you know, if we if we can procure fast, you know, and transparent and with a plan, you know, then probably we can avoid some of the pitfalls that we are seeing now. And um, but more importantly, as part of the prevention. Um, um, 
recommendation for prevent prevention based on the lessons that we're seeing. I think there's the need to consider how we can vaccinate people against corruption because I, I think we really need integrity in the system. We need people with values. We need, if you think about how corruption has affected the pandemic at different, both at the preventive stage, the treatment stage, and now the vaccines, we're about to rule out something to watch out for. It's, I think it's becoming more important that we really need to find out innovative ways and, 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 um, um, yeah, innovative ways to tackle corruption. You know, we need to probably even move away from the status quo. So, because this happened in Ebola and then we are back again, you know, with COVID-19, the same corruption issues are, are coming up and the same procurement. So we can't continue like this. So I think the, the lesson is that we need to be more proactive um, than reactive. And I think we need to really look at how we can build integrity, you know, among in society and by fascinating people against corruption, I think that would help to build a society that is less tolerant to corruption and maybe where we can work together with the private sector, government and society coming together, you know, to ensure that, you know, there's integrity in the system. Thank you very much, Oni, for that. Um, and to conclude us today, Dr. Barrett would like you to also share um, some key lessons you think countries should have learned from the pandemic and the management of um, treatments at the time. What can they learn? What changes should they make going forward? What should they put in the plan for the rollout of the vaccines? Um, first, I love Oni's idea about vaccinating people against corruption. That's great. Um, yeah, if only we had a vaccine. Yeah, I think we should definitely have a lot of research and development into that. Um, and actually, there's some, you know, some really good points around you know, how do we actually build up integrity? How do we empower people who you know, there are loads of great people working out there, especially in the healthcare system? You know, some complete heroes um, and many, many people really want to do the right thing, actually. But often the conditions around them are such that it's difficult to do that. And also, if you see that other people are not doing the right thing, you, you start to lose your own resolve. Um, so I think you know it's all a matter of you know, trying to to create this sense that there are plenty of other people who are working to do the right thing, um, and with collective action you can fight back. So so I think that's a key thing, and that's that's in a way our technology for vaccinating people against corruption, making people realise that they're not alone. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is just a really tricky area, and what we keep seeing with the the crisis is that you've got a situation of high demand facing relatively scarce supply um, and in a situation where normal governance and scrutiny procedures are not being used. So, you know, all the things that we had been developing that generally keep things roughly in check suddenly go out the window. So it is a really tricky situation. And I think probably the, the kinds of lessons, um, you know, from places where it's worked best are you know, just not using that as an excuse to throw out all of the governance procedures. So there's still quite a lot of checks you can do and quite a lot of oversight you can maintain in place. And I think in the countries that do that the best, um, you know, some, some countries have even had more competitive contracting than usual during this period rather than less. So it doesn't have to be the case that you throw out all of the com competition. Some countries have been more transparent. Some countries have got absolutely real-time um, data about who is procuring what from whom. Um, other countries, UK included, have actually let standards slip and published contracts at a much slower um, and much delayed um, rate than usual. So there's variation if we look around the world. And I think you know, we can always be saying, OK, who's doing the best and how can we make sure that we are in line with those? 
rather than the ones that, that are almost sort of using the emergency as a cover to let standards slip. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. I think I'm just, everybody just, I'm just frustrated with, a, you know, this is my second um, conference this morning or webinar talking about, you know, vaccines and COVID, you know, the same issues. And, you know, I just feel like we really need to just move, <laughs> you know, move ahead. And I think that's just, it's frustrating. We don't want to be having this conversation. And, and like Liz said, as to actually, what is going on in the UK as well is quite depressing because also for some countries that look up to some other countries for like at least governance, um, <laughs> governance solutions. And then you see, oh my God, Zivo, do you get what I mean? I mean, like, you know, some some issues with the transparency and contracts and all. So it makes you start to think, you know, what can we really do? Like, we need to be taking steps forward and not moving back. And sometimes you need those trendsetters, you know, from other countries. I'll be interested to hear from Liz, probably not in this podcast. Um, those trendsetters you you mentioned on on um, on um, that have been like those countries that have shown good examples of how um, you could still be competitive during an emergency situation. So yes, so thank you, Liz, for that. It'll be interesting to hear get examples from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so you know what we've seen. I mean, Ukraine actually is the example that is often listed for um, for good practice on on procurement, and it's partly because they've put in place this extremely transparent open contracting system a few years ago called Prozoro. Um, but we, you know, we've also seen that the benefits of that in during the pandemic um, that you can you know, you can see exactly what's happening in terms of who's buying what. The the information is all there on a dashboard. And this is the kind of thing that countries can do now. It requires them to have put in place good data infrastructure in the past. So um, it's difficult to suddenly scramble to that now. But at the same time, um, you can um, definitely publish contracts and, and make all of that available. Um, some of the countries that have been doing really well, Sweden, um, Slovakia, Estonia, Latvia. Um, you know, Sweden is a is a wealthy country. Slovakia, Estonia and Latvia, you know, they're, they're um, former communist countries that are you know, not hugely wealthy, but actually they've really invested in transparency in the process. And so you know, they've actually all been seen more competition during the pandemic than at normal times so you know kudos to them for doing that um the the lithuanian public procurement service they've done a review of all of their efforts and they've said look here are some gaps where we didn't quite get things right but here's how to fix them so again i think this is something where they're saying okay we're not just saying this is an emergency, you know, there's nothing else we could do. They're saying, okay, it is an emergency. We didn't get everything perfectly right, but this is what we can learn from this. And then let's make sure that at least the next six months or the next year, um, we're in a better state. Um, so, you know, all of that, I think, is the kind of thing that is possible that we've seen around the world. And also just governance, um, you know, how is procurement organised in your country? Is it a very fragmented process or is there one um, structure that's doing it. Um, so, you know, there's always a balance here. You you don't want to centralise things to the detriment of accountability and oversight, but you do kind of need someone who's in charge who can make decisions across the board for this. Um, so hopefully you, know, you can get a high integrity person to do that with the right systems below them. Um, but yeah, so there's really a, a range of different experiences around the world that we can learn from, I think. Okay. 
Thank you very much, ma'am. Uh, thank you, Oni, for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Barrett. Uh, thank you for the wonderful conversation. Um, for our listeners, we hope you enjoyed listening um, that this has been some good food for thought going forward. Please remember to follow Step Up Nigeria on Facebook and on LinkedIn at Step Up Nigeria and on Twitter and Instagram at Step underscore Up underscore Nigeria. And this podcast will also air on our YouTube channel, Step Up TV. So please head to Step Up TV, um, watch, listen, subscribe, and check out all our other videos. Um, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Oli. This brings us to another podcast.